Hi, everyone. Welcome to the True Crime Podcast, where we focus mainly on San Diego cases. I'm Renette. And I'm Marina. Hi, Renette. How are you doing? Hi. Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. I just finished my Christmas shopping, and I think by the time this episode is out, it'll be like around Christmas time. So mm-hmm. uh, what are you doing for the holidays? Um, Christmas Eve, I'm going to go to my Nana and Tata's house with my entire family. Um, so we'll celebrate there. And then Christmas day, I'm going to go with my dad's side of the family. Oh, okay, cool. Both here in Chula Vista. What about you? Uh, my mom and brother are going to come visit me here in Vegas and they're bringing the puppy, little peanut butter. So that's exciting. Who has a puppy? My brother. (laughs) Oh, cute. What kind of uh, dog? I have no idea. He's a mix of random stuff, but he, he looks like a, he's, he looks like he could be mixed with maybe like a terrier. I'm not sure. So you have family going up there. Yeah. They're going to stay with me uh, for several days. I took some days off from work to after Christmas and then, yeah. And then for New Year's, I'm just gonna, I'm going to my friend's house. She's having a squid game themed New Year's. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so she's got, she has all these games set up for us to participate in. It's going to be really fun. Okay. You saw me on my Depeche Mode tour. (gasps) I know. I gosh. I remember uh, thinking to myself, like, I should contact Renette soon to record. And then I was like, wait, no, she's probably on another uh, concert of Depeche Mode. (laughs) It was amazing. So good. I I went to the gym yesterday and I was wearing, um, at their LA show, I bought like this bootleg hoodie from some dude just selling it uh-huh. in the parking lot. And um, I went to the gym and this guy comes up to me and he's old like me, comes up and he's like, oh my God, did you go to their San Diego show? And I was like, <laughs> yes. And he was saying the same thing like me. He's like, I-, I can't stop thinking about it. I went with my wife and my daughter and it was just like, he's like, this is, I think that was his 14th time seeing them. And he was like, this was the best show. I don't know what the hell it was. I mean, it was just amazing arena. Like after I just keep thinking about it and reliving it and watching my videos. It was just amazing. So anyways, people are probably tired of us blabbering already. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had fun and it looked like a lot of fun. Of course, everyone loves Depeche Mode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So today I'm going to be talking about a San Diego case and oh, okay. this is the murder of John Graham Watson. I never heard of that. Yeah, it um, it's actually not super super old, uh, but it was pretty interesting. So let's see here. Okay, so John Watson wasn't actually from the U.S. He was born in the U.K. in 1944. He went to the University of Cambridge. Okay. He was obviously very intelligent and bright. He moved to the U.S. on a Fulbright scholarship at Indiana University, where he earned his master's degree in marketing and finance. Okay. Um, The Fulbright scholarship is obviously very, it's a very uh, prestigious um, scholarship. It is... Uh, one of several United States cultural exchange programs with the goal of improving intercultural relations, cultural diplomacy, intercultural competence between people of the U.S. and other countries for uh, exchange of persons, knowledge, and skills. So that's how he got the um, the 
scholarship to come move to the U.S. and mm-hmm. go to Indiana University. So, okay. So after so smart finish- dude, yeah, extremely mm-hmm. smart. After finishing his master's degree, John began to work at prominent companies in marketing, managerial, and executive positions. He worked at companies like Johnson and Johnson. Um, he worked at a company called Wyatt Laboratories, which was a pharmaceutical company that was mm-hmm. purchased by Pfizer in 2009. Okay. We all know Pfizer. Right. Um, and then he also worked in ICN Pharmaceuticals, which is a prescription drug developing developer and manufacturer. So he worked in a lot of medical pharmaceutical companies. Um, then he got into biotech and he eventually became the president and CEO of Ionian Technologies in San Diego. Okay. Yeah. That was the name of his company. Okay. Ionian, you said? Ionian. Yeah. Okay. Um, throughout his career, John helped launch medical products for people with HIV and for cures for ailments such as inflammatory diseases and spinal cord injuries. Oh, so, good. Okay. Yeah, very important work. Mm-hmm. After working 35 years in these companies and industries, John became a multimillionaire. Um, and although he was very wealthy and successful, he never married and he never had any kids. Um, he was not How a flex- he? So um, after 35 years of working, so I think he retired at the age of 64 in 2008. But um, he was not a flashy guy. He was very simple. He drove a 14-year-old car. He lived in a two-bedroom apartment um, in La Jolla Shores. He loved the coast. He loved to sail. He was also very active and healthy Um, including activities like surfing, playing tennis, cycling, running. And John did not own a cell phone. (laughs) He hated cell phones. (laughs) What? I know. (laughs) He's a weird dude. He had a home phone and a a tape voice recorder. (laughs) Not even digital. What is his name again? I need to Google him just to see what he looks like. What is it? John Graham Watson. Okay. His name might be super common uh, if you Google it, but if you search for like La Jolla, then I think he might show up. Okay. Uh, let me see. Oh, he was, okay. He was pretty. Handsome. So he wasn't bad looking. I'm I'm surprised he didn't. He wasn't married, or but that's not everybody's journey, right? Not everybody wants to get married and have children, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's odd. Um, he never really had a family, and there was no, no cell really phone. No cell phone. Old ass yeah. car. Two bedroom apartment. <laughs> yeah, some people are just not flashy like that. I know some people who don't make a whole lot of money, but they get name brand for everything. And then I know yes. some people. I know somebody really close to me who literally is a millionaire and is very like frugal and you wouldn't know it by looking at this person. So, yeah. Yeah. I know that apparently that happens a lot. Apparently people like meet millionaires kind of a lot and they just don't look it. They don't act like it. They're kind of just yeah. keep it to themselves. <laughs> yeah. 
So in 2008, like I said earlier, at the age of 64, the self-made multimillionaire, he eventually retired. He had retired and became a board member of a group called Tech Coast Angels, or TCA. Mm -hmm. This was a nonprofit that gave funds, or actually gives funds because they still exist, gives funds to biotech startups. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah, so he would help fund their businesses to help with medications and pharmaceuticals, like what he used to do. Mm -hmm. Um, People said that John had a very keen sense of business. He was able to sift through startups quickly, look through their financials to see if they made sense and if they were a good investment. Um, John was also part of the sailing club, and uh, that's where he met a man named Kent Kegwin. Okay. Kent uh, was a financial advisor. He loved to talk about stocks, and so did John. So that's when they kind of started chatting up and um, kind of getting along a little bit. And although John was a very private person, Kent tried to very hard to befriend John and to kind of like get him to partner with him in financial okay. endeavors and stuff like that. But John was like very hesitant and very just cautious. Right. Um, John also liked to ski. He was a keen skier. He would go to the Swiss Alps every year, and he would go with his sister, Jillian, who still lived in the UK. So he would go, like, every winter to the UK to pick her up, and, like, they'd go skiing together in the Swiss Alps. Nice. Yeah, that sounds really nice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um. And the last time he went, he took his two best friends from San Diego, Beth and Manny Martinez, a married couple. Mm-hmm. And on one of the on the ski trip, Jillian, the sister, she recalled that Kent uh, kind of just showed up at the ski to the resort. Swiss Alps. Yeah, with his daughter, and uh-huh. she remembered Kent saying that John invited him. But John, like, gave her this kind of side-eye look, like, no, I didn't. But he kind of went along with it to not be rude. And he was like, uh, yeah, sure, you can join us. Like, all weird. <laughs> then he tried to, that like, is, that's such a long flight from San Diego to the Swiss Alps. What the yeah, fuck? and just be like, I got invited by John. And he was like, no, I probably just mentioned it to you, but that's it, you know? Yeah. So, that was weird. Huh. Yeah, for sure. Um, Kent on this trip was making a lot of crass jokes and people didn't really like it. For example, he kept like making comments about how he's helping his girlfriend get a boob job and stuff. And who the hell cares about that? Why is he sharing this? Is his daughter there? Like, what the heck? No, apparently. And he like, he just met these people. Like, he doesn't even know John that well, but he's just like, and also while like, Everyone was staying at the resort. He was staying down the hill um, at a little kind of cheap motel. Like a Motel 6? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Which it's like, you know, they were kind of just saying, like, he didn't seem to really plan this or he didn't seem to kind of quote unquote fit in. And Mm. at this type of high class resort. Um, And he also lied about being a good skier they all all of the the whole group was going on black diamond ski trails and he 
could not do it. He got up to the top and was too scared and had to just go back down on the the little um what are those things called? The the um airlifts. Like, I know nothing about skiing. <laughs> like I, I wish I knew how to ski, but anyway. Yeah. Um it's fun, but yeah, so Kent basically made the trip super awkward and John and his friends kind of avoided him on the trip after a while. Um, and he Kent eventually went back home to San Diego. Mm-hmm. So a little bit more about Kent. When Kent met John, he was a 58-year-old CPA, a certified public accountant that had worked mm-hmm. for firms like UBS and Morgan Stanley. Mm-hmm. Um he also, I don't know if this is true or not, but he claims that in the 70s, he worked for the Shah of Iran, where he mm-hmm. built the accounting system, like, of Iran, oh. for, like, the, the emperor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was the 70s, yeah. so who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Weird shit was happening in that decade. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um. Kent was eventually let go from Morgan Stanley, and then he began working at an insurance company selling policies for commission, which was a really tough job. And um, he tried to sell at places where he knew wealthy people would congregate, a.k.a. the sailing club. Um, John would do certain activities with Kent um, because I guess he just kind of felt bad for him and he was just always around. So he was like, okay, well, so they would go sailing and surfing together. But John wasn't that big of a fan of his nor his personality. And like I said, he would Mm -hmm. make a lot of crass jokes and John just didn't like that. Yeah, but John seems he sounds like a nice person. So he kept him around because of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, John also had a friend list where he sent out like mass emails about certain events or, you know, projects that he wanted to work on. One of John's friends noticed that Kent was removed from this list. And John stated that he was quote over this annoying pesky guy. (laughs) So It's just being real. Yeah. And then I get the feeling too, that he was just trying to sell to him constantly and trying to, talk about finance which of course yeah john did like to hear about but after a while you're like all right guy just yeah (laughs) right so in 2009 john got some calls from these random financial institutions thanking him for signing up for a new bank account that Mm -hmm. john did not sign up for Hmm. so yeah he went to the police And he also told one of his trusted financial advisors as well as like his banks that like this was going on. This wasn't him. This was like identity theft or something or an attempt to. So, yeah. Then on June. okay, so on Monday, June 7th, 2010, John had a board meeting with the TCA, the group that he was involved in, but Mm -hmm. he never showed up. And um this was a big deal because this was actually a meeting he was supposed to lead and he never missed a meeting anyway. Um, mm-hmm. John being single with no kids, family overseas, not owning a cell phone. Uh, no right. one seemed to really be looking for him until this meeting where he missed. So um, one of the fellow board members named Bill, he decided to check up on him since it wasn't like him to just not contact anyone 
and like maybe he thought he was sick or something. Who knows? So Bill goes to John's apartment, talks to the security guard, tells him everything that's going on and that he's kind of worried. So they both go to his front door. They knock and knock and knock with no answer. After some time, the security guard got permission to open the door and see Mm -hmm. what, you know, for safety to see what's going on. Like a wellness check. Mm Mm-hmm. And they saw that the apartment was messy with some of drawers opened and some like clothing and like paperwork kind of scattered. But um, Bill did say that John wasn't completely like a neat freak either. So he wasn't sure if this was like normal or, or not. And it right. didn't look like a burglary. It wasn't like there were things broken or furniture, you know, thrown to the floor or anything. Mm-hmm. Um so they were kind of looking around, trying to see if they could find any clues or see where he was at. He wasn't, no one was answering when they were calling out for him. Uh, Bill did notice there was an open bake statement on his kitchen counter, and uh-huh. it showed the amount of $11.9 million. Of his balance yeah. that he had in there. Yeah, and he kind of just okay. remembered that and was like, oh, whoa, that's a lot. Okay. Right. <laughs> Then they go into his bedroom, and that's where they find John's body. He was lying face up on his bed, naked and completely dead. Oh, my God. Did they see any, like, um, stab wounds, like any blood, anything like that? So, actually, no, they didn't see any of that. The only thing they noticed was that there were scratches a little bit on his body, just like a little uh-huh. bit of scratches. But since he was so active, they kind of just thought, oh, you know, that must have been from... I've gotten this from surfing or yeah, or whatever. exactly. So uh, Bill and the security guard, obviously they freak out and they call the police immediately. Investigators also came to look at the scene. Um, they did notice that the lividity where the... Um, where the blood pool was pulled in his body the time of death was approximately 24 hours so like one day Uh Um, the coroner's office determined that john must have died of natural causes because they didn't see like you said no stab runes no um no gunshot marks nothing like on his body no strangulation marks nothing like that okay so investigators uh they were at john's apartment looking for some type of like contact because there was no phone and no one had the only people that he knew um only had his house number obviously only only way of contacting him and Mm -hmm. so but then he they did find a little paper of that had his best friends that went on that ski trip with him uh beth and manny martinez's phone number Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm So they call uh, Beth and tell her the terrible news that um, John was found dead. And Beth immediately drove over to uh, the police station. Mm-hmm. Um, this was this was on a Wednesday. So they found apparently, yeah, they found his body late Monday. And then they found the contact um, for, she, they found the contact, but then she wasn't able to come by wednesday for some reason i don't know why it took two days i was trying to figure out what was going on but um so when she got there she was like okay but then where's john's computer and they were like we didn't find a computer sorry they were like we didn't find a computer 
And then she started asking a bunch of questions and she was like, this isn't like him. He's completely healthy. He's the most active guy I've ever met. He's like, there is no way this happened. And um, when she did go to the apartment, she was like, this looks like foul play. This doesn't seem like an accident or natural causes. Good. And- I'm glad that she had this gut instinct. Yeah, exactly. And then when Barry apparently was um, also there with Beth, he also stated that he felt like something wasn't right and that John is the epitome of health and he wouldn't just die for no reason. So they both, Beth and Bill, asked to uh, have an autopsy done. Mm -hmm. And when they asked for this, the body was literally on its way to the crematory, but it was halted. Like, the body was about to be in the freaking oven already. <laughs> Thank goodness. No. Those and friends- I just pulled up a picture again, and I see a picture of him. Um, what It looks like it's some sort of, like, it almost looks like it's a yacht. And mm-hmm. there's he's standing there, so you see a full body. And he looks like he was in really great shape. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, super good shape. Super healthy. Mm-hmm. So the... The cremation was halted, thank God, and the coroner, they re- they did the autopsy, mm-hmm. and um, while the autopsy was being done, unfortunately, during this time, the John's apartment was not treated like a crime scene. They were kind of just, rad- you know, rifling through things, so they were just, because they thought it was just a natural cause death. Right. Um, and... Bill decided to kind of do his own investigating and he decided to call John's bank to see if there were Mm -hmm. any transactions or transfers being made after the John's time of death. Good for Bill. Yeah. (laughs) And the, um, so yeah. And he contacted, um, he contacted John's financial advisor that he specifically would work with and he was able to tell him that there was no transactions done as of oh, yet, okay. but that they would keep an eye out for it. And that uh-huh. because he did remember that um, a year before someone had tried to basically steal his identity and create fake or uh, accounts that John was not authorizing. Mm-hmm. So that was already suspicious enough. Right. Um, then the next day, which was a Thursday, the bank got an alert and there was a transfer of $8.9 million from John's account to an unknown account. Oh, fuck. It, like not even being, uh, not trying to be discreet with it. Like maybe, uh, uh, shit, I don't know, $20,000. This, this guy had over $11 million, right? But $8.9 million. I know. It's yeah. that's really, that's a big old chunk of money. <laughs> Right. Sure is. So now John's apartment was treated as, as a crime scene. They taped it off and they realized, okay, we got to get a uh, a warrant to like really, really search this place. Mm-hmm. So on that same day, as they were, uh, and they got the warrant pretty quickly. I think they got it the same day. So that was good. Um, yeah. Uh, so on that day, a man had shown up to the front desk of the apartment building to deliver a package for John. Oh, actually, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. This happened before they got the warrant. And um, he, so a man came up to the front desk and was delivering a package for John. He said that John had left his wallet in his car. 
And mm-hmm. the front desk people were telling him that John um, unexpectedly passed away because at this point, the employees of the apartment didn't know that they had done the autopsy and uh, ruled this death uh, homicide. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, at this point, they all still thought it was an accident, right? Right. So um, the man started to cry and then he left. The package the had a delivery note. driver? No, it was just a man who was delivering a package for John. Like, the, this is what the front desk employee was saying. Mm-hmm. And she said that the man started to cry. He was upset, but then he left. The package had a note that said, 2J from K. I'm returning your wallet and keys you left in the car. Your answering machine does not work. You need to get an electric one. Missed you at dinner. Hope nothing's wrong. It's that fucker. What's his name again? Kurt or Kent? Kent. Oh yeah. man. Uh-huh. Um. So on the next day, Friday. Oh, okay. Friday was when the search warrant was approved. Sorry, my notes are all mixed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's okay. And um. Uh. Let's see. Um. Okay. So while the um search was going on in his apartment. Uh, the investigators noticed that a man showed up at the apartment wa- who was acting really weird. He was wearing a baseball cap, cap and he had scratches mm-hmm. all over his face and neck. He Just got off names the- with the letter K. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he got off the elevator and that's when he saw the whole crime scene, the place taped off, more investigators standing there and they immediately mm-hmm. see him. And then this man stutters and goes, oh, 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 wrong floor. And he tries to run towards the elevator. But the detective, one of the detectives said, who are you? And he immediately noticed how awkward and nervous he was. Yeah, Yeah, scratches. And he was just like, oh, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. (laughs) And he immediately says, no, you're coming with me. We're going to have a quick talk. And obviously, this was Kent. So, um. They searched Kent's backpack, and when I read that, I was like, yeah, they found a dusk mask, keys, laptop, and um, the uh, a taser in his backpack. Wow. Wow. And um, the autopsy was completed at that time, and they found John's thyroid bone which is located at the top of the neck under the chin was mm-hmm. fractured, which wasn't like super, super just... noticeable at first. But when they did the autopsy, mm-hmm. they found that. Okay. So is that strangulation or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But no bruising, which are, I don't know. I guess oh, they didn't weird. notice the bruising. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, he also had two, small burn marks on his back from a taser. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. The same exact taser that was found in Kent's backpack, which is a, uh, the ones that have the twin probes that are attached to wires 15 feet long. And so when they're fired, they deliver a 50,000 volt shock. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. So, um, that was, not good. <laughs> so he must have used that on uh, John 
to get mm-hmm. him down because John was in shape. He probably could have put up a good fight, right? I mean, if the if Kent was all scratched up. Exactly, exactly. And that's when he ended up strangling him. And so oh I think gosh. that's also why um, there wasn't obvious marks or, of, or too much bruising because I think he mm-hmm. was already – he was first of all going through the shock of the taser gun, then trying right. to fight for his life, probably wrestling with this guy, and then the yeah. strangulation was, you know, it didn't, it probably didn't take him that long to eventually pass away, unfortunately. Right. Um. So, and it investigators soon find out. I mean, this is all found out pretty quickly. It it's so this Kent guy is an idiot. He goes back to the scene of the crime and. Like he has all these belongings that were for John and he's just like, so they soon find out that it was Kent who was trying to steal John's identity. Of course. Um, He even began to open a Yahoo account under John's name and several bank accounts under his name. Mm -hmm. There were web searches like quote, the mentality of the rich and how to pick locks. (laughs) The mentality of the rich? I don't know. Let me Google that. I should Google that. (laughs) The mentality of the rich? How to think like a person. Um, And it was later found out that Kent had actually put a GPS tracker on John's car. So Kent was basically stalking John for like a year. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's figured to find out about his life, how he acted, his mannerisms, like his personality, the people he talked to, everything. It was like investigators were kind of freaked out about this guy. (laughs) Yeah. And so I really, I Googled it really quick and it says that uh, those who have the minds, this mindset believe in their ability to create wealth through hard work, ongoing learning and calculated risks. They prioritize development, seek solutions and view challenges as learning opportunities. But Kent, like, (laughs) just he should have done this he should have worked hard like i mean i guess he was by going to sail sailboat clubs or whatever (laughs) i don't know i mean i guess but he yeah i mean he should have just like you said worked harder and become more successful like like what john did (laughs) right um so investigators basically uh, said that he must have snuck into John's apartment by picking his lock and surprised him since he was basically naked. Apparently he had like underwear on, but it was kind of like off of him. Um, He Mm -hmm. must have caught him in a very vulnerable state where he was either just waking up or like getting ready to shower or something. Yeah. And so. Or go to sleep. He could have. Yeah. Slept in just underwear, right? True, true. (laughs) Um, shot him with the taser. John fought back. They found Kent's DNA under John's fingernails as well. Yeah. Um, and then Kent basically ended up strangling him to death. Kent took his wallet, credit cards, financial statements, keys, and computer. Not all financial statements, but most of them. I guess that's why there was drawers opened and paperwork everywhere. Right. Um, his keys and his computer as well. He transferred the money from John's account by using John's identity. So apparently what happened was that he did this the day that he strangled John. He went to the bank and 
or Monday, the day after, he went to the bank to transfer the to wire the money to his account using John's mm-hmm. identity, but the processing time of the wire didn't hit until Thursday. So that's when the bank got the ping. Ah, uh, so, okay. Yeah, because I was like, wait, I thought they said Thursday, but it just apparently like it was taking a while, and he was Kent was waiting for that money to arrive for him to basically steal his identity and become John. Watson. <laughs> that was Fuck, his point. I mean, yeah, I, I just kind of thought he was waiting for the money to hit and then maybe he was going to go to some different country and just kind of go out, go over there under a different identity. I mean, exactly. $8 million, 8.9 can take you a long way. So Exactly. That's why investigators were so confused on how just dumb this guy was. Like he did all yeah. this. And he didn't I'm sorry, was he a lot younger than John or was he... Like, how old um, was Kent? So Kent was, at the time when he retired, was... Sorry, let me go back. He was 64. Okay, and, so yeah. And a year later, and Kent was 58. Okay. So, not that much so he, he's not young. I mean, he's just stupid. Yeah, he's an idiot. And he obviously yeah. doesn't want to work hard for his own money, so decided to to kill this guy and try to steal his identity which is like mm-hmm. how long did he think that was going to work for like he no he didn't have like a wife and kids and stuff but he still had friends and he was part of like all these groups they would have noticed right. startup companies and all yeah. that stuff so yeah um so kent uh, kegwin was arrested he tried to plead for second degree murder but the district da charla everett um, said that she had an overwhelming amount of evidence against him and that this was not going to be uh, second-degree murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an eight-day trial. In November of 2011, nearly a year and a half after the crime, the DA had about 35 witnesses and 180 pieces of evidence to showcase against Kurt in trial. <laughs> oh, wait, did I say Kurt? Sorry, Kent. Kent. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Can't. Close Can't. enough. Can't. Okay. Um, the DA argued that the charge should be first-degree murder with the special circumstances of murder during a robbery and for financial gain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kent's public defender, Stacy Gully, which I was like, what is she going to argue? Like, what can you possibly defend this guy with? There is no way. Right. So she suggested that this... Um, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. She suggested that I was going to say Kurt again. Kent (laughs) had killed a close friend in the heat of passion. And yes, that he did murder. He did murder, but he didn't plan it. And it wasn't, um, none of this was premeditated. (laughs) So why was he stalking him for at least a year? Why, why did he show up to the fucking Swiss Alps? Why did he send $8.9 million, like, yeah. you know, the day that uh, John died, was murdered by him? What the fuck? Yeah, and, like, set up these, ac- these accounts trying to steal his identity. Right. Um, so, uh, let's see. Okay. The DA stated... Um, Okay, wait, sorry. Sal, cut this out. Um, (laughs) 
So um, the public defender, Kent's public defender, stated that the two men were buddies. Watson invited him over. They talked. They quarreled. A struggle ensued. Yes, a man died, but nobody knows what happened in that apartment that night. The, <laughs> which is so dumb. The mm -hmm. DA then stated, if you are going to settle a difference with a friend, you don't bring a taser gun with you. Which right. Was, yeah, exactly. I forgot That's, about the yes. taser. <laughs> I, I forgot about that too. So yes. Um, Betty, Mar or Betty, Beth Martinez, the friend who showed up um, at John's uh, and suggested the autopsy. She spoke mm -hmm. at the trial stating that John didn't live like a man who had millions of dollars. He drove a 14 year old car and lived in a modest two bedroom apartment. He worked hard and sacrificed for over 40 years, building his nest egg to enable him to enjoy his later years in comfort. John lived a noble life characterized by his passion, conviction, impeccable ethics and high standards of excellence. Yes. Yeah. Um, and honestly, thank God for John's friend who, can you imagine if he had already been cremated? Like if it yeah. was too late, right? Like, thank God. And like, um, I think, okay, because we know that him pretending, Kent pretending to be John wasn't going to last long. But like no. when he did get found out and they were actually looking for John's body and realized that it was cremated, I feel like there still would have been a case against Kent, but it would have taken a long ass time and they would have had oh, a yeah. lot of trouble trying to convict this guy. Yes. Yeah. If they could even find him, right? Like who, who knows where yeah. he could have disappeared. He could have fled like after a week, maybe of pretending to be uh -huh. John. Yeah. True. Mm -hmm. um, so Kent was charged with first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. In addition, Kurt was charged with five other felonies uh, which were two counts of identity theft, attempted grand theft, burglary, and forgery. Good. Um, yeah. So Kent, he briefly addressed the judge saying, I am sad for the death of John Watson. And then he quoted some passage from the Bible about God showing compassion. <laughs> like you're sad about his death. You killed him. <laughs> Wait, you're the one that took his life from him all because of money. Because you wanted what he, what John worked for. So ridiculous. All the money is the root of all evil. It is. It's crazy. It's crazy mm -hmm. what people do for money. Mm -hmm. um, John's sister, Jillian, she stated, I have no mercy for you. Um, in England, it's as though uh, prisoners stay in hotels. But in America, um, he'll rot in jail. So Yes. Because I know this too, like in England and in a lot of countries, actually, jail isn't, I mean, it's it's bad, but it's not as bad. American prison is apparently um, its own very, very strict and rough uh, place to be in. And in England and places like Norway, for example, they, they kind of just live in like, yeah, like she said, hotels. So she was like, yeah. I'm glad that, you know, this guy is going to rot in jail in America and he's going to get the shit beat out of him all the time. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, right? Did yeah. Where is he, um, where is he um, living at? Or what I prison believe, is he at? I believe he's where still is he incarcerated. Yeah, I believe he's still in San Quentin, I think. Okay. Yeah. 
And um, at the end of all this, after the trial and everything was over, John's family donated $1 million to the Tech Coast Angels, the group that he was a part of. Oh, that is so sweet. Um, And that is the case of John Graham Watson. Man, Arena, I've never heard of this case before. That is so, so incredibly sad what someone will do for like just greed and wanting the money. It's just like, at the very least, I would, I don't know, I can never understand anything like that where someone will take another human's life because they want their money. Yeah. And I mean, of course, every death and every case we speak about is really sad and tragic. But like, mm-hmm. it just sucks when they're people that actually made a huge difference and were just trying to help people. He helped like make the medication to, um, you know, prevent like HIV or and, like right. uh, cord and like a- different ailments, things like that. And he wasn't this greedy pharmaceutical, you know, big head kind of guy. He was so generous and modest and like actually wanted to help people which is rare right like not he he seemed very down to earth but mm-hmm. i mean he didn't have a cell phone yeah he, he had an old ass car he could have bought multiple properties he just had lived in a two-bedroom apartment like he was just <laughs> he was a normal guy and he wanted to use his money for to pharmaceuticals to and help startup companies you said right biotech and to help technology advance for medication so that people can, you know, get cures and heal from their ailments right. and their, yeah. It's so sad. It's so sad. He seemed like a really great guy, but thank God. I mean, I'm so glad even though he didn't have a wife and children, he clearly had a lot of family and friends who loved him. Yeah, exactly. And he, he affected a lot of people's lives um, in general, all over San Diego and the U.S., from the scholarship he got and all the work he did with those different companies he was included in. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, that was a good, that was a good case. Sad. Definitely sad. They're all sad, but yeah. Yeah. And now Kent over here, you know, he has a daughter, right? They rolled up to the Swiss Alps. So can you imagine what a fucking fool, what a piece of shit he's looking like to his daughter and to everybody else who knew him. So, yeah. Yep. So was it worth it, Kent? For real. Like, yeah. And I'm so glad he didn't get the chance to go travel or spend the money Mm -hmm. on buying something. I'm so glad he didn't get the chance to do any of that. He got, he was caught so instantly. It was so ridiculous. Yeah. So dumb. Yeah. And yeah, just what an idiot. I mean, clearly he didn't watch any crime TV shows, (laughs) you know, where you can kind of like, Watching Dexter, which is like so probably like not how the real people handle it, but it's just like I always thought like I would never commit anything horrible, but I definitely if I did anything, I always say, well, I'm a size seven, seven and a half. If I were to go to a scene that was going to be a crime (laughs) scene, I'd probably wear a size nine shoe, shoe. my hair in a bonnet, like (laughs) get like really really dark tan. Right, right. Oh, no, sorry. That sounded really bad. I meant like to just change your appearance, not to look just like- totally change my appearance. I put <laughs> I I'd get a blonde wig, whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> this guy showing up to the crime scene and most of them do, right? But exactly. like to show up when you have fresh scratch 
scratches on your face or wherever it was on his body and then like still go there with a taser like what the fuck why are you gonna roll up with your taser at least i don't know like if you're gonna show up you can't do anything about about the scratches but why go with like the laptop <laughs> taser yeah. the backpack with all the items pointing to your ass he literally went to up to the investigators and basically handed over everything and just turned mm-hmm. himself in. <laughs> yeah, an so, idiot. Thank goodness he was an idiot, though, right? Yeah, for real. Because who knows? Actually, what if he never showed up? What if he never went back to the crime scene? Would so, they have caught him? I mean, they would have looked underneath his fingernails because his friend called before he went to the crematorium, right? But Exactly. So what I was thinking was, Okay, what if no one said anything about foul play? What if no one said anything about autopsy? And then when he went to go drop off that package at the front desk to kind of kind of scope out what was going on, and the front mm-hmm. desk person was like, he died of natural causes. Like, isn't that so sad? Blah, blah, So then he thought, oh, so there, there's no investigation. They're going to cremate his body. They're going to yeah. get rid of his body and the evidence that I basically strangled him and tased him. And I get to be John for like a little while until I get the rest of his money from his account, pretend to be him for a few more days, and then go travel or, you know, get a new identity and never be found ever again. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Yeah. That could he have was happened. probably he so done. excited in that moment, like thinking, yeah. fuck yes, I'm going to have over $8 million. Like, I'm going to do this with it. I'm going to do that with it. Like, I always envision if I came across all this money, what I would do with it. And then... No, your fucking ass gets caught. <laughs> I know if it it was almost the perfect crime, kind of. But mm-hmm, then, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm so glad those two friends were like, no, 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 this is not. Yeah, that, I mean, knock on wood that nothing like this ever happens to any of our loved ones. But I feel like if they did, I would be like, we would both be like, no, we did autopsy. One hundred percent. I I and- suspect this person. <laughs> Yeah, it, but Arena, you wouldn't suspect Sal, would you? I mean, he can't, he's not capable. If it, I'm more capable of murdering him than he is of me. <laughs> he's not capable of it. He's not. The I, I know he's nice not. Type, you never know. <laughs> that's true. That's true, right? So he's a Gemini. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, I love that you're not the only one that sent me the article on. The people who sleep in separate rooms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cameron so Diaz. Funny. She, Cameron yeah. Diaz, is like, yeah, that should be normalized. Like this, it's, yeah, it's good to have some some space and some um, alone time from your partner once mm-hmm. in a while. <laughs> That's what makes for a happy marriage. That's so true. Funny. I know. I immediately well, thought of you when I read that. <laughs> yeah. Um, right after you said, well, like an hour after you sent it to me, my tenant Zach sent it to me because he knows that we sleep in separate rooms. And uh, before I was, I felt so kind of like not ashamed, but I felt like, well, I don't really want to tell people about it because you hear like, oh, their marriage started having problems. They started sleeping in separate rooms. And I'm like, but that's not how it is for me and Cell. Like, yeah, I'm, like we're both. I know I'm really happy. So it's just like, huh. But I'm like, maybe I need to spread awareness. Like, it's okay <laughs> to sleep in separate bedrooms. Yeah. I mean, I totally get it too. And of course, I don't think Sal would ever hurt you in any way. But if he did, the spouse is always the first suspect. 
And Arena, you're not going to go into it saying, oh, when Renette walked into a room, she lit it up. No, she was like, when she walked in, she was super awkward. She was weird. She was anxious. She had ADHD. There was all kinds of fucked up things with Renette. No. <laughs> she she lit up the room when she walked in and she had the brightest smile. She made no, everyone's heads no. turn. <laughs> no, don't lie and say that. Oh, no, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, again, just glad the guy was caught, caught really quickly. Yeah. The trial happened real quick. It's <laughs> just, yeah, time. so yeah, I hope that he's hating every single day while he's sitting his ass in San Quentin. And, um, I don't even know what he looks like. I didn't even get to see. He's gross. He's gross looking. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that was a really interesting case, Serena. Thank, thank you yeah, for telling yeah. us. Of course, of, of course. And um, I was really interested. I looked um, more about what John Watson did in his lifetime with all these companies. And yeah, he was just a really intelligent and um, hardworking guy. And he was mm -hmm. a good guy. So rest yeah, in peace. Yeah, it's sad. John. And yeah. Um. <laughs> Are we we're ending? so weird at this part. Yeah, we're ending it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast. Bye. Bye.